Hey, and welcome to all the lovers out there. This is the How to Love a Human podcast, moderated by Dr. Candice Nicole Hargons. Follow and come chat it up some more with us on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Candice Nicole and on our website, drcandicenicole.com. You will find those links in our description box. Today, the How to Love a Human podcast welcomes Aaron to the space. So sit back and join us along this journey on how to love a human. Hey, Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm all right. Hey, Candace. I'm happy to be here, but I'm trying to find out where to put my purse on. There you go. Tuck it in. Tuck it in. All right. So I had to start with my non-researchy question first. Okay. Are you feeling human or human as fuck? Human AF right now. Okay. Um, I'm feeling human as fuck today and most days. Break that down for me. <laughs> what does that mean for you? Um, feeling human as fuck to me feels like when you're too in it to perform it. Mm. Like when you're too in your feelings, when you're too in your contradictions, your insecurities, your confidence to think or perform any of those things. Yes. Yeah. So you're invested in the contradictions of yourself, the realness of yourself, mm-hmm. your authentic expression without performing for anybody. Yes. How it do gets you? Me in the you know, but, it yeah. can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It can. And I was going to ask you that. How do you specifically talk to me about the contradictions? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people assume or hope that everything in life is congruent in this smooth, cohesive, mm-hmm. linear journey, and it's not. So yeah. I really like that language that you use. Contradiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even in this moment, like, um, I've, like, led, like, actions and screamed at police officers and taken to the streets, but stuff like this still terrifies me. Mm-hmm. So I think it's even just understanding that, like, all day, not even all day, probably for the past three days, I've been like, okay. I'm going to be in front of this group of people just sharing myself. And I think it's something about fighting for people like me, but also then being like, not uncomfortable, but just apprehensive, I guess, about sharing myself with mm-hmm. people as well. So you get in the position of defending, yeah. standing up for, but when it's just sharing, that right. feels the most vulnerable. It does. Mm-hmm. And it is because it's easier to, you know, it's easier to scream, it's easier to advocate for, it's easier to be the vehicle instead of like the reason we're driving, I think. Yeah. So I think when I'm moving simply as the vehicle, I don't worry as much or even try to understand how I play a role or how I'm actually doing it for myself as well. But when you come down from being the vehicle, yeah. And all the feels come in. It's true. It's true. That's <laughs> Everything that you were holding on to for everybody and yourself, I yeah. imagine, can come up like, Ooh. you know, I think I'm struggling with that mm-hmm. today. Um, trying to figure out where do I put, where have I put, rather, all of those feelings. Because I think when you get so used to being the vehicle, if you will, it is harder to access the fact that you are the reason you're driving. So I think right now, you know, my schedule has recently opened up. Um, so I've got a lot of time to just kind of do that digging and trying to find, like, where do I exist when none of this is happening, you know? Um, because I think it's easy to be on because you don't have to be you in Mm. the same way. So when you're not on, it's like, what's really good? What's really going on? You know? Yeah. I do know. Yeah. It hit my heart. (laughs) It's like, woo. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what are your most salient identities? Okay. Um, I would say black. Um, black is probably the most mm -hmm. because I think any other identity I hold, I understand through blackness. Um, so I would say black. Um, I would say developing. Uh, <laughs> identify as a person that is constantly developing or transforming. Um, trans is one, but not. I you know what it's it's that starting to change for me as well. Um, but I think just you know human. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think black human feels, feels <laughs> those, those two feel good to me. You mm -hmm. know, and those are you know in the eyes of the state kind of contradictory, but that's beside the point. So no, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> so what makes black human stand out as most salient for you? I think growing up, again with the performance thing, understanding that I had to constantly be in some type of performance, whether I was performing my gender, or I was performing like intellect, or if I was performing even like religious affiliations, I always understood myself as somebody who had to perform. So the older I got, I was like, what happens if I just allow myself to be the messy, complicated person that I am. Yeah. What happens when I open that person up and let people see who that is and what I really am? Um, so human for me, I would say probably over the past, how old am I, 26, okay. So probably over the past like seven years, mm -hmm. I've just been practicing with shedding the, I'm, a, I'm performing anything about myself, mm -hmm. um, except for, you know, when I'm in front of, and I have to, but I mean, in my day-to-day -day life, I try to just shed the performance pieces, the titles, the job titles, um, what schooling I have or don't have, just shed all of those like external factors that don't really resonate when I'm like in the middle of my bed, like, and it's dark, or I'm listening to my favorite song, or like watching like Living Single or something, like mm -hmm. just trying to show up as that person, just the being that I am besides all of you know, the trapping surrounding it, I guess. Shout yeah. out to Living Single for coming it's back true. to Hulu. Shout out to Hulu and Living yeah. Single. I'm just right, really right. excited about that. I'm going to try to spend the summer binge watching. I did it on accident in mm, like, like a couple that. weeks. So, yeah, yeah. It's good to spend it. Yeah. So, one thing you said that stood out to me was mm -hmm. just about performing. And I wonder if for you, because I hear this from other folks, mm -hmm. that with performing comes this aspiration for perfection so if you're performing religion or you're performing intellect or you're performing any other thing that you gender whatever you had performed mm -hmm. do you feel like there's this ideal what you're striving for when you're performing yeah um i guess perfection is it um to be without like a flaw or to always be on your p's and q's um, I don't quite remember because I think it's always just been something I've used when I was trying to be perfect mm -hmm. or perform as a way to like punish myself, mm -hmm. I think, for just being a person. Like, you actually, you said the wrong word like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I need you to think about that right now before we get in front of people and speak. Or you don't know as much about this as you should. You shouldn't be talking about it in front of people. Those types of things. I think I only used it. Maybe not consciously, but looking back, it was just something to punish me. Like, it wasn't something that I used to, it wasn't a motivating force for me. Um, I think authenticity has been 
much more of a motivation for me and an aspiration because I feel like I've been robbed, not really, you know, yeah. there all the time. But So on a journey. Yes, definitely. Young Aaron performing mm -hmm. and punishing mm -hmm. as a way to be like, you know, I don't measure up to exactly whatever this thing, this aspirational ideal of who I'm supposed to be is. Mm -hmm. Like and, humanity. Right. Yeah. Right. And we think about humanity as this perfect ideal when in fact it's all the messiness exactly. of us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. And so around, you said seven years ago? Yes, yes, yes. What changed? Um... I think, you know, I'm trying not to tell too much of my business, but okay. we're talking about how tell to love a human. Bit that you want no, to no, tell. no, I was about to say, I, I, can, I can be open with the mm -hmm. room. I think um, about seven years ago, how I started to express myself was changing. Um, and the world around me had very clear ideas to me at the time. Hold on, I need a, I have a napkin or a tissue or There's some over here on that table. Oh, please. Let me see if I got, I'm trying not to move also. Let me see if I got one in my purse. Thank I'm you. Not. Oh, I have one. Oh, and I can bring you some tissues. Oh, okay. Um, see, this is what we're talking about. Uh, my nose does not care that I'm in front of y'all right now. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, but yeah, so I would say about seven years ago, my expression started to change, and there were really clear ideas about who and how I was supposed to navigate the change in my expression. Um, but they felt awful, and it was something that was supposed to be beautiful, was feeling like more punishment, like immediately you're not measuring up. So after, you know, trying to do it, I was just like, what happens if you just honor, you know, how you are? Like you've never actually lived a life where you have just honored how you would like to show up, you know? You've had your mom, you've had your friends, you've had the media, whatever, telling you what you were supposed to look like, how you were supposed to be, like what happens if you just say fuck it, you know? Mm -hmm do what you want so I think with it being a journey that is where it started and it's led me many many places even back to places that are inauthentic um, and punishing or felt or ways that have felt like punishment for me um, but I feel like I'm back <laughs> I'm back I've corrected course and I'm back on you know the authenticity train yeah. all aboard you know mm -hmm. <laughs> it's always next stop though does that resonate with anybody else just trying to figure out how you can stop performing what you're supposed to be according to society, according to family, according to whoever yeah. thinks they have the right to impose mm -hmm. an ideal on you? And then kind of just find, finding your authentic self in this. That, that connects for, I think, so many folks. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I see a hand up and an amen. <laughs> right. Hallelujah. So... You mentioned certain identities, but what about things like social class or spirituality or other identities that you didn't mean? What about those and how you identify and what they mean to you? Okay, so for social class, I think I identify as broke. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I really identify as broke. I mean, I got a cute job. I had a cute job, um, but I still <laughs> understood myself as a person that didn't really have any money. Mm -hmm. um, but I think even with understanding that and having more money than I had, it shifted. I recognized I had to play a different role 
within my job and even in the world. So I used to be the girl going and screaming at organizations like, y'all aren't hiring us and we're out here dying. Like, mm -hmm. what are y'all doing? Um, and I was like, okay, you getting a check, so you can't do that anymore. <laughs> You got to figure out how to actually like leverage your resources or leverage what you have learned in this process or actually since you're in the room, you don't have to be the girl that doesn't have a job and is begging for employment and for y'all to get y'all shit together. You get to be the person that has been solidified by an organization or by your work that gets to say, this is still a problem and we need to actively be working around it. Um, so I think with identifying as broke always, one, because it's always so easy to get back to broke, mm. I have found. Mm -hmm. um, but just because it keeps me like, I think on track wherever I go. Um, and also like my family. So I think how I would understand wealth is through like I'm eating, my mom is eating, my sister is eating, my grandma's eating, everybody's good. And not just by me being the one that has been able to attain some space. If it's not enough that it has reached my family, mm. I still am like, eh, we still broke. Mm -hmm. Like I, my mom still needs to borrow money or my sister, my sister needs to borrow money or I need to borrow money, you know? Like things haven't changed as much as I would like. So. I definitely identify as broke. Um, <laughs> and as far as spirituality goes, um, I guess I do just identify as spiritual. I feel like the universe talks to me directly. Um, I've never been a person that has believed in a God outside of each one of us um, or everything around us. I've always understood God to be just the world around us. I'm like, we're floating on a rock in the middle of like the sky or the space. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that to me is something very holy. Like, I don't have to, you know, and no, not knocking anyone no. that, you know, has a, a certain faith, but for me, it's just always been so magnificent just to be alive and to just be in nature or I'll be in the house, but you know, <laughs> but to have, to have a home that a home that is located, you know, in nature and <laughs> in the world. Um, it's always been just, you know, magnificent to me. So I've always tried to um, and when I say always, I'm really talking about in adulthood. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking of like my whole life. But I'm um, just trying to like align myself with like energy. Like I, te I treat energy as like my checks and balances, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, like I remember it was, a, I don't remember who said it. Um, it was on Oprah though, when Oprah was still running. Um, a lady said to her, you know, she saw a sign or something that said you're responsible for the energy you bring into mm -hmm. a space. So. I go into spaces or I wake up and not want to do something and then I'll be all grumbling like the Grinch until I get there. I have to talk to myself like, you know, you're responsible for what you bring into this space. Like, so you cannot want to be here, but it's going to come back to bite you mm -hmm. if you try to come in here and make everybody else responsible for you having your own shit today, you know? Um, so, yeah, energy. Energy is my... Yeah, energy is like my law. <laughs> I'm about to dig into energy because I love it. I love okay. where we're going with this. Okay, okay, so for you, is energy a sensation, an emotion, a color, a sound, a feel? Like it's what a is feeling. It? Mm -hmm. Energy is a feeling. Um, I was just talking to Jamari earlier, actually, um, about how 
I can get energy and not even understand it, but know something ain't right. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just the feeling, like I could laugh with somebody, talk to somebody and then leave, like there's something dark with that person. Like, I don't know what's going on. And nine times out of 10, it'll reveal itself in some way, shape or form. So it's always just been a feeling for me. I went into someone's house the other day. It wasn't a house, I'm sorry. It was their job. I went into the job and I was like, what's going on in here? Mm -hmm. And they were like, what do you mean? We just broke from a meeting. I was like, the energy in here is thick. Yes. Like, Y'all didn't just have a meeting. Yeah, what just fight. happened? Right. Like, what <laughs> just happened in here? Because as I paused, because it feels like it's a feeling, but it also, it, it can manifest into like a, not physical, but just something tangible, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, when you go somewhere in the whole room, you're like, something's not right. You go in somebody's house, something's not right. Or you can go in somebody's house and be like, wow. The energy's flowing in here. Like, I love being over here. I don't want to leave. It's really just, it is a feeling, but it also sometimes feels like a bigger thing. Yeah. yeah. Have you always been, when I think about people who connect with energy, I usually associate that with intuitive. Mm -hmm. Have you always mm -hmm. been an intuitive person? I think so. Mm -hmm. I would say so. I think I didn't understand it. Right. Like, when I was, like, growing up. Um, it's so funny because people are talking about but uh, I was saying like how I've like warned my mom of things that of course I was too little for her to care or listen to <laughs> mm -hmm. and then I'm mad at everybody because I'm like I told y'all this two years ago and nobody listened uh, but I didn't understand what that was I think as I've gotten older I've just started to trust like something's going on here um, in the same way that I feel like the universe will like literally use me to do things mm -hmm. I think sometimes she communicates things to me and I have to listen and when I don't listen there are times like when I don't listen that when shit hits the fan or just I, I feel like I keep having negative examples but um, when something goes wrong I remember a moment where the universe had tried to say something to me and I kept going um, so it's just a practice I think just like it's a journey it's just a practice for me of trusting that there's more going on here than what I can define or even understand. I love that because for me that connects with multiple ways of knowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sometimes your body, your sense of self, your connection to the universe mm -hmm. communicates something it's to true. you. It's true. It's true. And we choose not to listen sometimes. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's like that's not what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. You're like, mm -hmm. I need this job, or I need that man, or I need this dress, or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. and the universe is like, no, you know. Nope. That tugging in the back of your spirit. You're like, whatever. Yes. Like, that's not real. And then, <laughs> then you're like, oh, wait, rent was due today? I didn't realize. <laughs> like, okay, this is why she was trying to stop me. Or, you know, I won't go into the other examples, because those could be... Let me dip, dip one more time into the energy. So are, okay. do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert. I am a huge introvert. So after this, you can be tired. <laughs> yes, me too. Yay. Myself. We yes, going to sleep after true. this, everyone. I always tell my students, I'm like, you know what? I love doing this, but I promise you, I need a full day of recovery every time I'm in front of a group of people or even with a group of people. I don't even say anything. It's because you feel everybody's in. Gee. It's true. People you, don't get it, though. They don't know. <laughs> People don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not mad because I'll shut down, too. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, like, just like this, talking and laughing five minutes later, it's like, I'm just in the corner quiet. Yes. People are like, what is wrong with you? I'm mm -hmm. like, 
time just pretend I'm not here. When I was a kid, I used to bring a book with me, oh, and then wow. people the like, "Oh, she's reading." I'm like, "Yep." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're interrupting, mm -hmm. but like, but okay, go ahead. But okay. as a no, I think as a, I don't know if this is your experience in the South, mm -hmm. but my my family is rooted in the South, even okay. though I was grown up part of my life in the North. But people think you're funny acting, especially as a black child. Mm -hmm. If you're one sensitive, intuitive, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> if, if, when you choose not to perform and you just feel things and you're sensitive and you try to share that knowledge that you have with all these people, like either you're too grown or you're funny acting. I was always too grown. Mm -hmm. I was always too grown. I'm still too grown. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think people think I'm funny acting more now. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not as sorry about it as I used to mm -hmm. be. Um, because I understand that this is how I keep myself like together. And I don't know why I attract so much extroverts in my life, but it's just, it becomes such a like taxing thing mm -hmm. for me. Cause I'm like, you don't understand that like, I don't want you to shut up because I don't want to hear what you're talking about. I want you to shut up because like, I can't hear mm -hmm. what you're talking about because I can't focus. So mm -hmm. it's just like, a, I don't know, but I don't feel, I don't feel bad about it. Cause like knowing extroverts, they don't feel bad about being extroverts, mm -hmm. you know? They don't have to apologize for it. Like, oh my God, you know, it's really funny. I did this thing today and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I need two hours to even consider <laughs> engaging yes. in a full-blown dialogue about something that has nothing to do with me or what yes. I'm doing today. Um, so I think it's just getting in the habit of not feeling bad. I always tell people, like, because I don't go out a lot um, because there's so much energy mm -hmm. at, like, parties and public mm -hmm. and stuff. But when I do go, I'm always like, you know, I'm a cameo person. Like, yeah. I'm going to pop through. I'm, I'll be there for about a solid 45 fly, minutes. For right. Minutes. Come, come, come looking real cute. Mm -hmm. So people are like, oh, you cute today. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. See, this is a perfect example. But, um, <laughs> come, you know, come and talk, maybe dance, you know, have a drink or two. And then it's like, all right, bye. And I'm back at home. In my lounge where, you know, playing my PlayStation or watching, you know, my stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's, I just, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad anymore. And I don't feel bad about needing smaller, intimate spaces yeah. with people. Um, but it's still, even with not feeling bad, I think, not feeling bad doesn't come with being completely rid of, like, whatever thoughts or, I guess, the the ways people have received it in the past. Because mm -hmm. you do still have to work through the like, oh my God, I'm being rude. Or I seem like I'm being rude right now. Should I apologize? It's like, no, don't apologize. Just leave. Yeah. Like, they'll be all right. It's a bunch of grown people. Um, but it's just, it's all a practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Practice being a good introvert. Yeah. An unapologetic An introvert. unapologetic yeah. introvert. Yeah. And yeah. honoring that that's all right. Right, mm -hmm. right. Because it's so all right. And extroverts will literally sap you of all of your energy Listen. and not have any more to give you when it's gone. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're energized and charged up. I was like, I I'm, think it's I'm a socket. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's really, really true. Mm -hmm. So switching gears a little bit. What does love oh, God. mean to you? Okay, so you know I listened to this. I listened to a few of them, okay. so I was like, this is the one I'm going to dread. Everybody says that. Um, 
I want, I'm trying not to cop out because I'm like, it's developing, but, um, but it is. But uh, what does love look like to me? I think I'm going based off of how I think I've navigated loving relationships, especially when um, things have been less than stellar. Um, well, I have learned that I feel like love is a willingness, um, a willingness to figure it out with someone um, through thick, thin, you know, easy and hard, just a willingness to keep coming back to the table, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the willingness is the huge part. Um, and I guess the action is the, the willingness and then actually showing up. Mm -hmm. I think of like me and my mom, um, we have always been so similar, which I think is why the older I've got, we butt, we butt heads so much. Because we were so clear about where we were coming from. Yeah. And she was not used to, I think, one of her own children being just as clear as she was about whatever was happening. Um, and it got to a place where I started, we just were butting heads like for years. Um, and I think the more I came into myself, I got more, I won't say antagonistic towards my mom, but I used to let her have it. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was coming into myself, I let her have it because I remember who she was when I was little, when it was like good or when it was less than stellar. Um, and I wanted her to like atone, like mm -hmm. you must atone for what you've done. Like now I've got to deal with unpacking all of these things. Um, but she kept showing up. We'd scream or I don't want to talk to you anymore. I had not talked to her for a few days, but we both just kept showing up. And now, you know, I feel like my mom is my best friend. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't talk all the time, but she's just, we have grown to understand where the other is coming from. And yeah. I think it's because that willingness to just show up and figure it out, even when it feels shitty. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've gotten I've gotten into some situations where I have been like trying to force the willingness yeah. in other people. It's like, I'm willing because I love you. Like you have to be too. Um, and I've been learning that, you know, that's not necessarily how it works, right. <laughs> um, but that's fine. You know, it's, it's making me clear about um, what I feel like love is and when it does show up and mm. people who are willing, mm -hmm. um, because some people are willing to just keep showing up. And I think, like abandonment or just like feeling isolated is something that I have dealt with. So when people escape or when things get hard and people disappear, mm -hmm. it's very like confusing to me because I'm always like, this is the good part. Yeah. Like whatever this hard thing is, is the good part. And on the other side of it is going to be the most beautiful part of all. So it's just like, I don't know. Willingness. I'll just mm -hmm. I'll cut it off, but yeah, the willingness to keep showing up. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So the willingness to keep showing up means that even when you're in the thick of it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you are there, and that person is there with you. Exactly. exactly. And you journey together. Exactly. And that can be including conflict, but you get to That's see true. all the human parts. It's true, and I there those are my favorite mm -hmm. parts. Um, I have. I have seen in my life time and time again, I think the fruit of like a thorough conflict, mm -hmm. like people actually deciding 
okay, I'm mad, I need five, but I'm coming back, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's like, I mean, that could be literally and like uh, figuratively, like just people needing time, but saying, this is important to me. I'm still here. I have to heal, I have to recover, but I'm still here. I feel like on the other side of that is always more communication, a stronger bond, a stronger team, because it also doesn't even have to look like just two people. Mm -hmm. It can be, what does love look like in a team setting? You go where I was going, <laughs> so keep on. Keep on going. What does love look like in a team setting? And it's us being willing to show up as we are mm -hmm. and go through all the murky, awful parts together. Yes. Like, but I'm not going to let go. This fucking sucks. And I could punch you in the mouth. Mm -hmm. I won't. And I'm still gonna stay. I'm going you know? to imagine it. Right, and let right. That be all. The whole fight scene. I'm gonna imagine hitting the ground and everything, but that's, that's not what's gonna happen. But even like being open enough to like say that, mm -hmm. I'm just I get so frustrated um, because I feel like we're always talking around mm. things mm -hmm. instead of just mm -hmm. talking to each other. Yes. And I, I'm, I've gotten to a point, I did like a training um, at this LGBT conference and it was like me and there were a bunch of cis black women showed up and you know, cis black women and black trans women, you know, there's, there's beef mm -hmm. and we have to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many reasons for the beef, but I understand it. So these women came into the space and some of them had questions that were you could say are ridiculous mm -hmm. in that type of setting um, and even even disrespectful yeah. if I didn't if I didn't understand the need to just express honestly how you feel before you can even get to a place of I want to do something about this sometimes you do have to say something stupid in front of a room of people yeah. and in that moment I just remember saying because they would stop there was one she was like talking and she would stop and I said no like I don't want you to leave this room and put any of this on a young trans person that mm. can't handle it. I was like, I want to hear the silly shit you have to say, because mm -hmm. I'm going to let you know that it's fine, but I'm also going to let you know why it's silly shit. And we need to be able to have an open dialogue. And I just feel like, um, like dialoguing and communication is something that is often looked at as like, it's a distraction yes. to what needs to be done, but we're human beings. This is how we communicate to one another. I yeah, can't read anyone's able right, to communicate right. Like I can't read your mind. Mm -hmm. I'm not just gonna go off for of your body language. Mm -hmm. Like this is actually how we move through with words. Um, and it, I just find I get so frustrated. It's probably the most frustrating thing in the world to me. Um, I just find that we don't want to talk, yeah. and then people are like, "Well, we've talked enough." I'm like, "That's not possible." For things to look how they look, we couldn't have talked enough. Because there are things that people have to say, and when you don't say things, oftentimes you act them out mm. instead of being able to release them mm -hmm. and let them change with whoever it is that needs to help you change it or needs to hear it. So the willingness, again, the willingness to like show up and be wrong with people, yes. you know? Like, Can you just repeat that? <laughs> to show up? The willingness to show up and be wrong. And be wrong with right. people. Right, 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 right. I love know? to reiterate that point because... <laughs> It's People so are terrified of being wrong. And it's the oh best. So, well, let me not say it's the best. <laughs> I know it doesn't feel like mm -hmm. the best, but it's just like so much expectation is also 
washes off of you mm-hmm. when you are wrong in front of people. It's like, oh, that's the worst thing I could have done right here. Is I've been wrong in front of this group of people. Well, that's off my back. Now we can just be honest. Yeah. Let's keep it funky. Um, I always want to keep it funky, and I realize people don't. You don't, don't. want to keep it funky, Candace. They don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're socialized right on out of that. That's true. Kids keep it 100. I know. That's why kids <laughs> Children will that. tell you that. <laughs> and we socialize them right out of that. Like, yeah. that's rude. That's inappropriate. That's mm-hmm. not nice. That's all of these things mm-hmm. instead of. You're saying what you really mean right now, mm-hmm. you know, and you mean, and you mean right. that. I, I experienced that. So when I'm trying to have conversations around rep, like some issue of social justice mm-hmm. and people are just tiptoeing oh and using coded language mm-hmm. and context clues, uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> Morse code, you know, <laughs> just like, Latin. I'm yeah. like yeah. no, what I mean is this thing. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. like, oh my goodness, look at you for naming stuff. And I'm like, we all have this skill. I'm talking about psychologists. We all have this skill. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I feel like folks are terrified are. of using those skills when it relates to our groups. Mm-hmm. I love you connecting that with groups. Because yeah. how do we show up with each other in organizations, yeah. in groups where like policy change happens? Mm-hmm where we can make a difference that has generational impact. Mm-hmm. And I, I think interpersonal relationships have, can have that as well. But, yeah. You know. yeah, but like having like a whole like organization mm-hmm. or body behind these thoughts. Again, to me, it comes back to, I was working at a job and I was reading, um, I can't remember the book title now, but it was something about efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like yeah. the efficiency of like teams and things like that. And they said a huge thing is psychological safety. People need to be able to say what they feel without backlash. Um, and I think in a lot of these orgs and spaces, the backlash and the retaliation is so intense. Mm-hmm. And people have such a keen awareness of these things being the result of speaking true that people get in the, the habit of again performing I'm performing that I do this work but I haven't said anything honest in three years mm. like I'm reporting on how much money we made how many programs were successful but I'm lying to myself and everybody in here like I'll go into space and be like this is not gonna work because all of y'all are lying and people will gag like and they know it's true <laughs> and they know that's why they gag because they know it's true and it's just like what happens if we're just honest like um i mean it's i think it's really just it's really i mean it sounds so simple and i think even that like talking sounds simple honesty sounds simple so the mind is like well that can't have anything to do with what we're doing but no i think just a step in the right direction is honest communication Um, and obviously in an appropriate fashion Mm -hmm. I find that people often like exaggerate like I'm not gonna come in and scream fuck you to this room and it's like well of course you're not that's not what we're talking about but can you come in and be honest about what you what you want to see what you're actually a part of what you think is gonna happen like what does a space look like where everybody is able to be honest And for a purpose, for the purpose of actually being able to create some change in the world or in our communities or what have you. Like, what what happens if we dedicate ourselves to being honest Mm -hmm. first and not thinking of it as something that is going to throw a wrench 
in the program. Like, at the end of the day for me, I don't too much care um, about how people receive in space my honesty as long as I'm allowed to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, because I wouldn't want to come in. I just, it feels like soul death, like to have to go somewhere and lie all the time. Like, even if it's like a little lie or like, it's just like right, like super close to the truth, but not quite. It just feels like such a, a drainage of my life force to have to play in my own face and other people's faces mm -hmm. all the time. And people who do end up telling the truth often, you know, like we said earlier, get in trouble. Um, because people don't want to deal with what happens when the truth has now been presented right. in the space. So they will excommunicate oh, you yeah. from space. Oh, completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's awful. Um, but it's sometimes it's an affirming thing to say, okay, I'm, I was telling the truth. I thought they were lying. They don't want me here because I was telling the truth, which solidifies that they've been lying. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it might suck, but I feel good because I still get to leave and be honest. Right. And y'all still got to deal with whatever lies y'all are telling yourselves to go to sleep at night. So, yeah, it's just, um, I just want to challenge us all to be honest, appropriately mm -hmm. honest. I hate that I even have to say that because honesty has, um, it's like blatant honesty yeah. or like, um, what is the one like? Blunt or, or blunt, um, something rude. It's like a rude. I know what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, brutally honest. Yes, brutally mm -hmm. honest. Like that's where people go with that. Type like, why of would stuff. you want to be brutal? What What took you to brutality of all the ways you could right, be honest? Right. I like soft honesty. Mm -hmm. That's what I call it. <laughs> a gentle honesty. <laughs> I like, like you know, I still care moment. about you. I'm going right. to tell you the truth because I love you. That's why we're being honest. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you'll lie to me about something little, you'll lie to me about any and everything. Mm -hmm. So if I come into a space and say, you know, this is anti-black, anybody else notice that? I say that because I believe that the people in the room can handle that yeah. and that we can do something about it together. Oftentimes it's not received that way. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. You know, I'll get on my little broom or take my umbrella and fly away. But that is just... Um, <laughs> I don't know, it just feels, it feels like the work. I feel like us trying to fight the powers that be. Honesty is one of the huge, huge, huge factors because we've been lied to. Mm -hmm. We've been consistently, we have been and we are being lied to consistently. I think being honest is one of the most powerful things that we can do or that we can be as human beings yeah. because in our in our um, societies, we have been lied to, and we believe these lies to the point that we have built our lives and personalities around them. They serve us. They serve us to some lies yeah. can feel like, oh, will I get a little bit more power if I accommodate to this lie, yeah. or yeah. you know, my family can have generational wealth if I accommodate to this yeah. lie. You know, like people, what, it's seductive, cost. but it's a cost. It's seductive, mm. but at what cost? Mm -hmm. I mean. We're watching our planet, you know, deteriorate. Mm -hmm. The only home, we've lied so much about what's going on here yes, that the, our only home is like, y'all, I can't do this no more. I'm tired of y'all lying mm -hmm. on my ass because yeah. now I'm, I'm hot about it. Yes. You know, she's Literally hot and cold hot. all day. 
With us refusing to acknowledge the truth of our placement on this planet and like what it requires to be a citizen of this planet. Um, I find that most of the things we hold as valuable don't really mean anything. And that is, that's a hard that's a hard truth to hold. Like, oh wow, my money really is paper. Or a car mm -hmm. and some numbers on a computer. It's a fantasy. Right. <laughs> that can go at any point. Literally. And then if it, if it all got wiped out and they said computer failure, we gag. And they don't <laughs> care. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's always been very difficult for me because uh, I feel like I've held some form of the truth of like existing always like in my mind and I've always just been so confused at what the hell we're doing. Yeah. I'm I'm like I think we're Martians, but that's probably a different that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. I'm gonna pivot a little bit more because okay. you, you were leaning into it anyway. Okay. What would the world be like if it loved you and all your salient and not as salient identities? Do we mean the world or the people of the world? The people of the world. The people of the world. Okay. Because I think the world loves us. Mm -hmm. um, I think Earth, you know, she's literally provided us the space, you know, to do to literally destroy her. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the Earth loves us. I think the world loves all of us, which is why we're here. Um, what would the world look like if it loved people like me? Uh, there would be a lot more angry black women in the world. Mm -hmm visibly angry black women, um, loudly angry black women. Um, but maybe if they loved us, they wouldn't have to be so loud or angry. So, I don't know. <laughs> now that I think Went to about a circle it, like right, that. I was like, wait a second, what are we mad about if the, uh, if the world loves us? Um, <laughs> um, I think what the world would look like um, if it loved people like me. Um, We'd be way more chill. Mm -hmm. I think it would just be a way more because a lot of times I'm like, can we chill out? Like, are we really talking about bombing each other and mm -hmm. shit? Like, mm -hmm. nobody yeah. wants to chill. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I think if if um, if the world loved people like me, people would be practicing love um, more openly and more readily than they are practicing violence. Mm. Um, I think people would be uh, stepping into discomfort in a lot more ways. I feel like I see so many people uh, that just won't be themselves. Um, and I think in a world that would love someone like me, we would all have been ourselves before we were anything else. Mm -hmm. And that is what we cherish. Um, I think everybody would be eaten. And eating good, mm -hmm. you know. I think everybody would be kicking it, you know, how they want to. My my world full of love is literally like giving like cartoon like fantasies, like where we're all just having a generally okay time, yeah. you know. Um, it's just not as dire. I just feel like things are always so dire, and they don't have to be. Um, yeah. But I also, I also have no fucking idea, and I think, <laughs> and I think that is the other, mm -hmm. that's the other side of it. it. The reason it exists as fantasy to me is because that's the only way I could understand yeah. it. Um, 
you know, knowing the people that I love don't also, they also don't navigate this world understanding what the world would look like if it loved them. Um, I think it's such a profound question because I don't have the answer. And it just speaks to what the current conditions yeah. are when that kind of question is so like dumbfounding you're like, oh my God, I don't know. But then you also have to reconcile with the fact that it's like, oh, people don't love people like me, mm -hmm. you know? And why is that? Um, so my official answer to all of that is I have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. cool with that. I'm cool with that. You tried. And I then you're tried. like, you know, I but tried. actually. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about, that's a part of this being human where it's yeah. like, I get to say when I really just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I think, I'd rather leave people with that, with mm -hmm. the whole of an answer instead of the hope of one that is bullshit yeah. to me. So, yeah. Who do you sometimes struggle to love? Everyone. Mm -hmm. All the time. I struggle to love everyone. Break all it down. The time. Um, I think anyone that's not me, I'm, I struggle with um, because I don't get it for mm -hmm. the most part. Um, and I don't also understand me in relation to other people so how i'm received or how people are responding to me so i just don't understand it so i just struggle um with bodies that don't belong to me um with minds that don't belong to me because there are different ways that they have gotten to where they've gotten to mm -hmm. and why they interact how they interact um i wouldn't say if i had to think of a specific type of person that i I always struggle with. I think type A people <laughs> typically, I think we're on opposite ends of like the like existence spectrum because I am like, um, I'm like a hairball of a human. Like I'm just rolling around and you know, <laughs> so much is like, or maybe tumbleweed, I don't know. I'm, I'm, some, I'm something that's gathering a lot of like info and like experience, but it's not really, it's like, what the fuck is that? Like, what is it turning into? Mm -hmm. um, but type A people and people that won't shift. Mm. Like inflexible? Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I'm always like, can we think? Can we shift? And I understand that sometimes we can't. But most times I feel like we can. And I, I can't stand a person um, that just will not shift mm -hmm. an inflexible human being those are probably if i had to think of a specific besides any and all mm -hmm. and every um it would be people that can't shift or won't shift like i hate a person let me not say i hate a person but um i can't stand <laughs> i can't stand people who make a plan and stick to it just because they made the plan i'm so like oh my god i said 7 p.m He'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, oh my God, <laughs> we don't even have to be there. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's, 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 it's so difficult for me because I'm like, oh, this, you know, this actually doesn't work. And people are like, but we said we were going to do it. I'm like, mm -hmm. give me a reason why. Mm -hmm. Besides you just said it. Yep. And they don't have one. Nope. And then it's like, why are you this way? And, <laughs> and I'm sure they feel the same way about me. I'm like, why are you always trying to shift? why is nothing ever like cemented or concrete <laughs> with you and i'm just like you know i'm just like it's how I'm we manage our anxiety place. yeah that makes sense it's like, that makes sense it's like if i can contain it in this way and i think i might be like anxiety in human form
form. Mm, so, mm-hmm. so anybody who has like intense anxiety, I think I probably manifest it. They're mm. like, everything is gonna go wrong with you, oh. like because I'm so I'm just I'm dedicated to the shift. Mm-hmm. I'm dedicated to being like, Ooh, that doesn't work. Okay. Let's pivot right let's, here. Yeah, let's pivot. And people are like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, but I get it. But it's also just, I think those are the people, those are just the types of people that I've, I've found we bump heads the most. And now that I think about it, I would say my mom is like a type A type of person. <laughs> um, she's very, you know, and I've always, I think I probably, I probably have rejected that, which is why I'm so airy. Airy feels like this is the, the good way. I've airy. never heard anybody say, just everybody that isn't me. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it can really resonate with mm-hmm. a lot of folks who wouldn't use that language. Yeah. Because we're all trying to grapple with, well, who, are, who am I, first of all? Yeah. And then how do I experience myself in relation to you, which is what you said. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I deal with that, whatever that ground is that we have to stand in together, that mm-hmm. willingness to be with you mm-hmm. when I don't know enough about me to figure out right. how I'm feeling with you. Right, and, and I don't know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I know what I think I'm doing. But if, like, five people come up to me, like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, maybe that wasn't what I thought I was doing. Like, and I think I just, I struggle. I struggle with that. Um, just, you know, the eyes, you know, even in the room. I think everybody in here is going to leave with a different interpretation of what has happened and what we've discussed. And I think it's just the struggle of really being an individual human. And I don't mean in like the, like the fashion or anything. I mean, just all of us, mm-hmm. like just that individual mind piece. I just struggle. I remember, um, I think they said there's a word for this, but I remember being little and like being in kindergarten, like, wait a second everybody in here has a brain like I do. And like, I feel like I've held that struggle to this day. Like, wait a second, we're all in here having complex thoughts and experiences and things like that. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around um, to this day. So, yeah. That, no, that's because it, what's the word for that, y'all? Right. I know that there's the word. There's I should some... know this word, but I don't. But there's a word for that where you realize you're not the only person in the world. Right. <laughs> And it's, everybody and it's has still, a different lived experience mm-hmm. and mine mm-hmm. I think that and it was like again a lot of my stuff is big simple like like wow like you really have your own brain like <laughs> like we're not all like from like this isn't like a show like mm-hmm. we all have our own brains there isn't one giant brain that we can all like that we're all listening to like yeah it just it, it trips me up. It trips me up. I get tripped up on, you know, the smallest. Not small, but just like things that I think most people have moved on from. I'm still like, wow, okay. But yeah. isn't it beautiful to be curious about it? Because, I mean, yeah. if, you, if you wrap your mind around it, that's a big concept. It, it really, really is. And I think, oh, I like that. Because maybe that is, maybe that is it. Like, when you have to accept that, there is such a larger, like, what is going on? on here like why do we all have our own brains is it necessary if it is necessary like what does that mean billions mm-hmm. of people have their own it? brains like what does that mean in a world that is so 
the attempts to be so like regimented and mm. boxed and fine-tuned that we don't acknowledge we really do have our own shit going on. And I love that you said that because I experienced the world as chaos. So in the way okay. that you experience folks with type A, I'm, I'm going to say I'm type A minus, you know, type A. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I like you, that minus, the minus <laughs> But like that, that experience that you see the world as like regimented box, I see it as chaos that I have to like fix my little space with the chaos really? around me. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not nuts. Like, just, oh, I feel like we're all. My books are color coded. Wow. All of them. <laughs> but, I was, I was about to say, but I'm also impressed by that. <laughs> no, because like, like my mom, her closet is color coded. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. My closet is on my floor. <laughs> and that's why I like you because I know somebody like that. <laughs> Who I, I love dearly. I was about to say, I feel like it's always, it always ends up mixing. It's something yes. about, wow, how do you do that? Like, how do you like, not How are you care? sorting through these clothes on the floor? Right, and you know where everything is. Like, I saw that in the corner of my room three days ago. It should still be there, because that's where I put it. Um, but no, it is. that's so funny to me. Because I think I experienced that as chaotic, but I'm also, I guess I'm also a part of it. So... I don't notice it the same way. It feels to me like like we're desperately trying to put a hold on something that can't be held. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is humanity, um, but I think that is just, you know, life itself, which is why I say I think we're Martians, um, because it just, something doesn't add up for me. Um, like, I see ants and I see other animals building and like trying to sustain, like they get it that they're here to sustain. Mm-hmm. And it's something about humans where I'm like, that's not what we're thinking about. Like that is not something that is, I don't think that is one of our main driving forces. Because if so, I think how we navigated just our planet over the very different. Like even right now, um, there's some, there's just a disconnect with people I think where we never believe, um, because we've been lied to so much, I don't think we can understand the truth um, around us. Like, our lives are changing, and I don't even just mean with administrations or anything. I think life and the world as we know it is ending, and I don't necessarily mean um, in some grand like explosion. I just mean we're heading into an age or an existence that... I would say none of us have seen before. Um, And that doesn't scare us into action. That is fascinating to me. Um, And I'm speaking as a human Mm -hmm. that is also chilling and throwing my stuff in regular trash cans and not recycling bins. So Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me. Um, (laughs) It's fascinating to me that we can have this, like, I don't know, this double or phony awareness. I don't know what to call it, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I don't know. I say all that to say, I just find I just find human beings to be fascinating. I do too. Yeah. If you yeah. ever want to be a psychologist, just Oh, I've let been me asked know. that so many times. I, it's something I'm actually, <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. It's something that I, I enjoy um, like the intricacies of humans. Mm-hmm. Um, if and, you're fascinated with the brain. Uh, I, am, I am. I am. Yes. I am. Listen, <laughs> let's talk. Um, mm-hmm. I need to figure out, you know, 
what it is I'm supposed to be here doing, um, besides just being honest. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm so fascinated with, I remember I went to, it was like a retreat, and we were talking about like organizing and all that. I was like, am I the only one that like wants to know what is it behind humans that like this is what we do like all over the planet like like the fact that like black bodies globally are treated a certain way like I'm like that there is something more to this like and I'm so fascinated by it and they were like what are you talking about like we need to organize our communities around things that aren't like curiosity but I was just like I feel like we're not curious enough mm. about human beings and mm -hmm. what what makes us or the great equalizers of human beings because it's not even just black bodies there is something that happens that i noticed with like privilege mm -hmm. like in everybody it's not just white people as much as i hate to say it like it's not just white mm -hmm. people it's not just cis people there is something that happens when you have more or it appears that you have more mm -hmm. of something than someone else there's just a natural thing that I have noticed, and that's trans people do it, black people do it, white people do it, Indian people do it, like all types of people do it. And I'm like, that is a behavior that all of us exhibit. What is that? Like, and they it's show just, it even with kids. Yeah. Remember when they did the experiment where like the blue-eyed kids are going to get this and the brown-eyed mm -hmm. kids, and they really just, it took five minutes mm -hmm. and they were like, ha-ha. They were crying. Yeah. They were like, but the kids who got the privilege right. were like, and you don't deserve uh -huh. it. And just bought into it wholeheartedly yeah. and could switch up the next day. So I wonder what that activates in us to be like, yeah. I have ownership of something that you don't have. Yeah. And I don't know if, and I don't know if I haven't studied enough, if that really is just like global colonization really has mm -hmm. had the world shook. But I don't believe that. I just, for some reason, I just feel like there is, there's just something else going on here. If I have any, like, solid spiritual belief, it's that. Mm -hmm. It's like there's more to this story. Um, and I think we're just so too quick to try to make sense of it. Because even in our combating of it, like, even in social justice circles, like, elitism is at an all-time high, you know? Um, and it's like, what is this where you could be actively fighting a thing but also exhibiting all of the characteristics mm -hmm. of your enemy. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? Um, and I think there is more to it mm -hmm. than what we entertain. Um, so yeah, I guess I am just curious. I'm mostly curious about the things that That I might know. lead me to my last question. Okay. <laughs> what do you love most about you? Okay. Um, I love that I get to be me. Um, but I think, because I am also confused by myself a lot of the time, but um, I love that this is the shell that I've chosen, um, that my mind is mine. I appreciate, you know, all of the things, but if I'm, if I'm beyond that, um, I love, um, and I'm always in development, mm -hmm. um, but I'm always in transition, and that I'm always becoming. I've never become. I'm always just in process. Maybe that's it. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. It's that I'm always in process. Um, as long as I've lived, I have been 
just changing, growing and changing and shifting, which is why I think I value the shift so much. And you're not trying to resist it. Uh, not always. Okay. Not always. Um, I think sometimes I like have asked the universe, like, why couldn't I be a person that was just very clear about, because what I'm clear about is that I'm not clear. That is what I'm clear about. Uh, but I've always just wondered what it would be like to be a person that was just, I know why I'm here. I know what I have to do. I know the track I have to take or whatever. I've always just been like, I know that I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I'm always in transition or process or in development. Um, but I think that's my favorite part about myself is that there are parts of me that I haven't liked and they've shifted, you know? There are parts of me that I've loved and they've shifted. Um, and that I get to see multiple different types of people through myself. Um, so yeah, I think above everything, I love that I am always in process. And to be your age and to have the awareness that you don't know everything is just, mm-hmm. to be in your 20s and to, to realize yeah. that you don't know everything is yeah. a great gift. Yeah. Use that and flourish with that. Okay, I'll take that because so it doesn't feel like it. But maybe it's just because I'm in my 20s. <laughs> no, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like, I feel like I really believed earlier that I knew everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that the older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know half of the things I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. So to know it now and to be open to learning and to receive yeah. that learning opportunity and to be able to shift with it and grow with it, that is wonderful. Okay. Well, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for taking this oh, time to talk you. to me. We're going to open it up for questions. Okay. Oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and thank y'all for listening. Right. I hope you came to listen to good oh, ones. I feel like I'm a part of like a legendary, like, a legendary group. Now. You're like a legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Now you. <laughs> Any questions? How are y'all feeling? Right. You know, let me ask you a question. How are you feeling right now? Really good. I know y'all. Y'all got something to say. I like always like almost it sounds like you feel more comfortable in the shift. Like, like that that feels like a more natural state for you. I'm getting my uh, Myers Briggs certification right now. Okay. So you know, there are so many things that stood out to me. INFJ. That feels like more of a natural state for you to operate. I'm typically so I'm wondering like in that way that right because we just are who we are, often take for granted how it is that we're able to exist in the world as who we are. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if you ever thought about, right, like the things you do, the things you say to yourself, mm-hmm. the way you navigate that enables you to exist in the shit. Mm. That should be something. But uh, exist in the shift. Hashtag exist in the shift. Like, are there, Let's make that the next thing. And maybe you <laughs> might stand out to you a little bit more in those moments where you feel a little bit more resistant to mm-hmm. it. Of like, what do you rely on? Who do you rely on? What do you say to yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do to help you to be able to live in that space? 
I don't know if it is. I don't know. I really appreciate that like, you feel more comfortable in this shit. Because I think I do. Um, but it doesn't feel as active, if that makes sense. Like, it doesn't feel like I'm not, I'm always like, yes, let's shift, but it's not like in my bones. I'm not always just like making this decision. It's just what ends up happening. Um, so what I could tell people is, I guess, let go. Um, let go of like your intense expectations around mm -hmm. things. Um, because I think for most things, my expectations are like, I don't know what to expect. I, I feel like I might be frazzled. That's generally how I feel. I'm like, you're gonna need a space when you're done or something, but I just don't know. So if something changes, it's not really like, a, it doesn't throw me off that much. I don't know if this answers your question, um, but I think it's just letting go of, I guess, comfort, like mm -hmm. letting go mm -hmm. of the comfort, because I do think in my comfort in the shift, I have been greatly like uncomfortable in my life. And now that I think about it, I think, Physically, I have been more uncomfortable in my life and in my work than I have been anything else. Mm. Um, and it hasn't stopped me or I've, I've been, according to what I see, is the progression is happening. Um, but I have been uncomfortable every step of the way. Um, so I think maybe it is letting go of that physical or the physical or tangible comfort as we know it. Um, because it may be like a, you know, a celestial comfort that I have for it, but most of the time I'm like, damn, just damn, like what, you know, what's going on? Mm -hmm. So I hope that answers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was good. Um, what are, what are some things you would like to see in the black experience over the next five, years? What are some things you would like to see? Um, I would like to see a focus, a real focus, um, on healing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like black people in general, but black trans people, we, we've gone from like relative obscurity to like celebrity mm -hmm. and like topics of conversation and um, bodies and numbers to be put on funding reports and grants, like, and grants. But we haven't had time to like, focus on healing. So now we went from being invisible to now we have to focus on, now I'm like a great trans person. Like I'm a model trans person. I'm gonna go and speak about trans issues. I'm gonna lead a march around transness or things like that. But it's like, at what point do we start to think about or consider or hold as like just as important as this other work um, as healing? And I think that's not, just black, like not just black trans people, it's black people in general. I want, I want beyond us talking about self-care, I think beyond us like coming together for a day or two and not knocking any of those things because I'm also there for those things. But um, I think us actually figuring out what does it look like for us to like heal ourselves of the harm we're dealing with now, but what we've dealt with. Um, and I think the work that we do, that is something that we just assume is mm -hmm. happening, but we haven't learned any different ways of being. 
I would say, as far as like interpersonal relationships or building spaces go. You know, we learn from the people we're fighting. So mm. we end up interacting with each other like those people. Um, yeah. So for me, in the next five years, in the next year, two years, three years, whatever, um, I want us to figure out how we can actually mobilize around healing um, ourselves and hopefully our communities as a result. But yeah, um, and I want, you know, I want all black trans people to be rich too, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want, <laughs> give us all the money also, you know? Like, <laughs> don't, like, don't, and, and I'm not saying don't invite us to speak, but, because I'm here, but, um, <laughs> I'm saying, but just, you know, like thinking about like leveraging resources mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't have to be through channels that we've not even been invited to, you know, there are always going to be less black trans people in a college. So us coming and speaking at colleges is great, but it's like, what does it look like for us to leverage the resources to the community in a way where we're not even requesting that y'all come back and perform for us, you know? Mm -hmm. um, these are just things when I when we think about healing, I want us to just think about all the ways that we can intervene in the lives of people that we want to see change for. Um, so yeah, you know, healing and coin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always. That sounds like the new organization you're going to develop. <laughs> Healing and coin. Healing and coin. Co. <laughs> this is a shift. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right listen. Yeah. Listen. We're out here starting businesses. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw, I saw two. Uh, your hand. You didn't raise your hand? Oh, okay. okay. Or, yeah. Um, kind of on that then, um, in, like I said, you're saying like, trans people and black, black people especially mm -hmm. like need to heal. Mm -hmm. I, um, you talking about honesty and like having honest conversations, especially mm -hmm. with black people, really brought up some things for me because I'm, I'm thinking about like what is honest for me is mm -hmm. that I was raised in a racist system. Mm -hmm. Like and my honesty is racist and causes you pain. Mm -hmm. And even as I'm working against that, even, even as I'm like trying to live an anti-racist lifestyle, mm -hmm. I'm wondering how I can have conversations or how I can best approach being honest with you mm -hmm. without causing you unnecessary pain. Yeah. You don't need to hear about how racist my parents are. You it's know? true. So I guess, my, and, and I, I apologize as a simplistic question. It's no, just no, kind no. of like, how do, we, how do we have an honest conversation? Because mm -hmm. I think that's what a lot of white allies struggle with. Yeah. It's having honest conversation with you without hurting you unnecessarily. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate the question and simplicity generally. But um, I think I have a problem with allies, usually. Um, I have a problem with white allies a lot of the time because I've, I've found that you all will place yourselves in spaces with black people and people of color and try to navigate these really heavy, the, the heavy um, oppression concepts or the racism of yourselves or your families and try to navigate those things with us. But there is a hesitance to do it with white people. And mm -hmm. I think what I would request of any ally, and that's a white ally, that's a cis black ally, like I don't want you to come to my house mm. and talk about all the ways that you are 
dealing with your racism and moving through it. I want you to go to Aunt Becky's house, mm -hmm. who you know says she don't want no nappy-headed people in her house mm -hmm. or black people in her house. And I want you to figure out how to have those conversations yeah. with her. Because, of course, we can talk about it all day. It's my experience. And my family has experienced at the hands of people that look like your family. So what does it look like to actually throw yourself into the scary place? Mm -hmm. And the scary place is when we're not around to make you feel good about having an analysis. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to take that analysis and take it to your family. And I was also just talking to Jamari earlier about like even organizing. I feel like I can't go organize all over the country if I can't do it at home. Mm -hmm. The hardest work you're ever yes, going to do is where you came from and where you go to on the holidays. Mm -hmm. So if you're not willing to do it there, do not come to me and try to talk about it because I absolutely don't want to talk about it because it is going to be traumatizing. And it's gonna, I'm already traumatized before you even get into the conversation because there's a way that we have to shift to whiteness, whether we acknowledge it or not. And there is an entitlement that I, I found. There is white entitlement, and it, and it comes in many different forms. And oftentimes in social justice space, it morphs into a, I'm so concerned about you. You need to prioritize what I'm saying mm -hmm. or thinking or feeling, you know. Um, and to me, that is just a flawed approach from any ally, not just white allies, thinking that I'm going to go to the source. But the source is actually your mama's mm -hmm. house, you know. Mm -hmm. Are you going to go to your mama's house and talk about what y'all are doing and what y'all have done and what y'all are actively believing today? Because I know it is hard to be the anti-racist, white person at the cookout or mm -hmm. at the uh, family gathering. But when you're that person, are you going and having these experiences and then going to your people of color friends and saying, oh my God, my family was so racist at Thanksgiving? Because I want to know what did you say? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, did you get up and leave? Did you flip over the table and say, <laughs> nobody eating on this motherfucker? <laughs> you know? No turkey? Right. <laughs> and I think, I think I, I always say fuck allies because it scares people for somebody to say that. And allies will come into a space like, I care about you. You don't get to be mad at me. I'm like, fuck you. Like, go and talk to your family, you know? And I'm telling you that because hopefully, and it's hard to hear, I'm sure, but I think when you, when you talk to other white people and you ask, like, when Uncle Bubba was, you know, calling Oprah a monkey at Thanksgiving, did any of us say anything? Mm -hmm. Or did I go and write a paper about how I deal with racism within my family? You know, this type of confrontation, yes. I mean, it takes, like, you having to step into the lion's den. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to be excommunicated mm -hmm. from your people and still don't come to me to talk about it. Find other white people to talk to about it. And I think that is where the difficulty lies for people. Is you have to stand in that. Being anti-racist is not, that's not a badge. That's an identity, a practice. That's a way of life. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to stand in that and, and deal with the isolation that you're going to feel. Because it's not going to feel good. It shouldn't feel good, you know? Um, so dealing with the isolation, feeling excommunicated, you know, feeling not worthy of your family or this or that or a troublemaker, because that's what black activists and organizers are dealing with on a on a 
government scale, on a, on a world scale, on an institutional level, you know. So you have to feel that and still know that you can't come and cry to me about it because that is where you will find how difficult what you're really doing is in fighting a system that we all benefit from, whether we call ourselves anti-racist or not. You know, the system isn't saying, wait a second. I know you work with those one people. We ain't giving you that loan. They don't give a fuck. You know, mm-hmm. you're still gonna get it. And then oftentimes people get their loans and then build something to come and talk to a bunch of black people about how they're not racist. I don't mm-hmm. want to see your face. You know, I'm not saying here. I'm happy you came. But, <laughs> but I'm saying, I'm saying I don't want to see your face in that regard mm-hmm. because we'll never be able to have a conversation that's gonna mean anything. I just yeah. receive and appreciate that uh. so much because <laughs> it's like the, it's a big it's a big task. Yeah, we were talking about this even in our psychopathology class. Mm-hmm. So we start the class, and that's when Charlottesville is popping off. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. all my white students, I would like you to be able to stand mm-hmm. with your racist friends and family members mm-hmm. and clients and supervisors mm-hmm. and all of all of that and do this work. That's what you got. That's, that's where your that's work the, is. Right. That's, that's where your the work, work is. Yeah. yeah. That is the work. That's real. Yeah. That's so much. Thank you for asking. That's a good question. Yeah, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm wondering if you have any advice for trans people or black people or anyone who's like a, um, from a minority group, like, mm-hmm. you know, based on race, national origin, or mm-hmm. orientation, like how to deal or coexist or love the other who might be, like, I don't know, cis and straight mm-hmm. and white, and how can maybe have a close friendship with someone like that or, mm-hmm. or even a relationship because you know any sort of advice on how to coexist can be peaceful together. Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's so funny you say that because I have a I have a, a, a dear sister of mine as a white woman. Um, and it's something I've struggled with. Because <laughs> I'm always looking at her like I can't stand you. Like I love you, but I actually cannot fucking stand you. And I remember I had a I had a conversation with her and it was so it was so funny that she was the one to say it, but she was like multiple truths. Mm-hmm. She was like, I understand. I know when you look at me a certain way why you're looking at me that way. I know when you don't want me to do things or say certain things. Um, she was like, But I also know that we share a loving friendship. Multiple truths. Um, so that has helped me struggle with her, um, but I also don't feel like, you know, you don't have to love the other, that's not required, um, to coexist. So if you got cis people in your life that are wearing you out, you know, it's cutoff season, whatever you need it to be. Um, and I think making peace with that, because oftentimes, I would say minority groups or marginalized folks feel like a part of us being good people is then accepting people who disrespect us, like blatantly or passively um, all the time or trying to make excuses or this is my good friend that I've known for such and such. Your good friend is disrespecting the fuck out of you. What are you going to do? You know, I think it's okay to just cut it down. Um, it doesn't, some things, you know, they don't have to be emotional. I try to, that. I say that often, like, this isn't an emotional decision necessarily. It's do I want somebody in my life who makes me uncomfortable? 
Do I want somebody in my life who reminds me of the shit I have to deal with outside of the comfort of wherever I am, you know? And I think those are real practical questions we have to ask ourselves when we're moving forward. Um, Because you're never going to reconcile. As a black person, you cannot reconcile your friend's whiteness. I've tried. It always pisses me off. So I accept that this is always going to piss me off. But I love her. So I'm just going to have to keep both of those things going and move how I want to. And if one gets bigger, if her pissing me off gets bigger than my love for her, you know, we might have to shift. But I think it's just about um, being real about how you feel about it. There is no obligation to deal with people who you don't fuck with. Um, It doesn't mean you cause them harm. It doesn't mean that you cause people like them harm. But you can recognize that you don't want to fuck with somebody. And that's A-OK as far as I'm concerned. That's how I get down, you know. My, my mom is sis. My sister sis. So, you know, we deal with them. You know? I think the premise for me, the premise of the question is faulty in that it would suggest that people who have multiple or even one singular marginalized identities haven't been socialized in a world where they've had to deal with mm-hmm. and respect and care for the other if the other is a person that's privileged. And that's not even how we codify other, really. Mm-hmm. Like we've been from birth to whatever stage you're in in life, socialized in a system that says prioritize this person. So we have excellent skills in that. We can choose to disengage from the use of those skills if they're harmful to us. But my, my ability to code switch is founded on the principle that I should make people who come from a certain socioeconomic status comfortable. My, my decision to wear my hair a certain way for decades of my life, the schools I go to, like all of those things are like, let me make sure that I'm presenting myself in a way that is manageable at a minimum and acceptable and preferred to white people so that I can advance as a human being. So I think that that premise would suggest that we don't know how to act as people with marginalized identities when like a lot of times if you see people who are disengaging from accommodating or code switching into whatever the privileged thing is it's like almost self-preservation at a point because it just erodes you in so many ways it can be exhausting but to use your language it really it's a it's a performance yeah it's a performance i've had to master to become a phd i'm very thoughtful about like all the ways I've socialized myself to get to this position and a lot of it was managing and aspiring towards whiteness and middle class and yeah and even maleness in some ways if I'm being frank you know like just all of all of those pieces and that's in conjunction with my cis privilege and my heterosexual privilege and my able-bodied privilege like using those privileged identities to like map on to aspirations of other privileged identities and then at a certain point, you just like, you know what? Fuck it. You know. That's why. <laughs> and then your white friends are like, Candace, what's happening? We used to be so cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, with my white friend, I had to like, be I able to talk you. about whiteness. Like, and I'll notice people. I have friends that are radical, like people, and they will come around and not won't even say why. I'm like, you're fine. <laughs> like, she couldn't be over here if we weren't allowed to talk about white people mm-hmm. when we needed to. Like, fuck that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, that did change a lot of my other black relationships. Yeah. But for the most part, the ones that are 
really, you know, about it. You know, they get it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you know, white women will try it. And she was like, you know. We do. Right. That's what, well, that's what my wife, that that's what my white friend uh, I don't like that either. I'd be like, I know. <laughs> Other questions? Right, please. I love the question. Mm -hmm. We're at 7.05, so I don't know what time you have, but if you have one more question in the room, something that's on your soul. Right. Y'all break my heart. <laughs> Do y'all know how bumpy my plane ride was? <laughs> <laughs> y'all don't got no more questions. That's fine. That's fine. You want more questions? Mm -hmm. ah. So I, I train psychologists. Uh -oh. It's my... Colleague. I wish you could come talk to our students. Too. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly can. So that's, you know, to, to think about our students working with trans individuals. Mm -hmm. If you were to give them a piece of advice, to, like maybe on a top 10 list, what would you want to say? Oh, I love that question. Um, I would say demystify transness. Mm -hmm. um, that is, I, I think that is the biggest thing I could say to cis people is like demystify it, get over it, get over whatever you think it is. You have a gender identity. Just because your gender identity is one that people have named as normal or have placed as normal, you don't realize that the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you do your hair, the way you like to dress, that is your gender identity. Just like I have one, you have one. And I think when you demystify transness, whatever people, you know, people are so concerned with the journey that they don't understand. You know, um, people who are confused by it actually are confused about stuff that is to trans people so small. You know, this is a, for some of us, this is such a spiritual, like, shape-shifting journey. Um, I can't speak to what it is like to say, I want my body to be a certain way and to will it so, you know? There's help, but there's also, there's a, a spiritual belief behind embodying something different than what you were initially supposed to be or whatever language you would use for that. Um, and people don't understand that you couldn't if you didn't have that specific experience. So trying to understand the, the depth of transness will always leave you confused and feeling like you got to talk to me a different type of way. You'll never get it. So you won't ever understand it. Let that part go and demystify it and interact with trans people like you would any other person that you understand has an identity that is near and dear to their heart. And it may be and it may not be because there are trans people that go through this. They don't think about it that much. Oftentimes, cis people are thinking about it a lot more than we are, and it's because y'all refuse to put yourself in the center instead of us. When you put yourself in the center, you can probably recall the time you didn't feel woman enough, you didn't feel man enough, you didn't feel like you looked how you were supposed to look. I'm sure we all have those, those experiences. And I think when we level the playing field and we level the floor to us all centering ourselves in the conversation, you realize that it's not that strange to interact with a trans woman or with a trans man or with a non-binary person or a gender non-conforming person. You understand that 
just like you are on a very individual journey. And you could probably say, there is no other man like me. I'm the only one like me here. I feel the same way about myself. But I may not understand why you feel that way about yourself, and you may not understand why I feel that way about myself. And because we won't, we don't have to even try. Just respect it, you know, and get over it. Demystify it, get over it, and talk to people like people, and you'll probably be fine. You know, people trip up over our pronouns, and when you think about something that hard, you fuck it up. Like, if I'm thinking like, she, 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 I'm gonna call you he. Like, I'm gonna fuck it up, because I'm thinking about it, and I'm making it much larger than it is. And then we respond, and we have to educate. Our education doesn't really work, because we're trying to explain something that I can't explain to you. I just, I'll never be able to explain my journey to you in a way that you will understand. And I wouldn't be able to explain my journey to another trans person in a way that they will understand. And that's what I mean by this is an individual thing. Um, and it's only a topic of conversation based off of how we have navigated it like institutionally. If we weren't cut off, if we weren't, if there wasn't a media machine portraying us a certain way, people wouldn't have these ideas in their heads about us. That has been taught to everybody. So it's really just about understanding what is really, what is real versus what isn't, which is the media machine. What is, we've got a new trans age. That's not true. Like, you know, people have been putting on dresses and, and suits and changing their hair and deepening and lightening their voices forever. Yeah, you know, just demystify it. If you don't think so hard about it, you realize, damn, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, I still shit, just like everybody in this room, you know? And I think when you think about that, it's like, oh, wow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you have a brain. <laughs> it's, it's so simple. That's what I keep saying. I think the simple is so profound. Mm -hmm. It is such a simple truth that... You don't understand transness any more than you understand the person sitting next to you's identity, whether they're trans or cis. No! Don't come in like, you know, I read Janet Mott's book. I'm like, so what's your favorite chapter? Like, that doesn't have anything to do with me, you know? Um, and it, and it, it might give you a general idea, but a general idea, like there's a general idea about all of us in here. Every single one of us has a very specific story to tell. And if you enter from that space, uh, these are individuals. You can't go wrong. It's, it's that overthinking. I see it all the time where people are like, oh, you are just you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Oh, and it's like, yes, that's true. But I know you're doing that because you feel like you're trying to like, confirm or affirm something that I don't need you to confirm that you mm. couldn't confirm for me. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, we're people. And it's just how would you talk to any person that you want to interact with? And it's, it's literally that simple. And I know it sounds so cliche. It's so whatever. It's not a, you know, kumbaya. It's like a trans person can be disrespectful just like a cis person can be. We're just people trying to figure this shit out. Again, we're on a rock floating in the sky. <laughs> that, that's what you need to ask them. How, what are they going to interact? How they interact with that fact? <laughs> I'm not interested next to that. I don't. Think. I don't. Um, and I don't. You know, I don't find. I don't find transness interesting in itself. I think I find any beings that dedicate themselves 
transformation um, and that they actually go through it and embody it. I find that to be miraculous. I find that to be miraculous from bodybuilders to trans people to whatever. I just find people who go through accidents and come back and are able to walk or able to do things that they weren't able to do. I find that miraculous, the transformation, the dedication of that. Um, but I don't find transness to be very interesting on its own. I don't. Um, so maybe if you tell them to like, Go look up the stars and like figure out why the earth is floating and what the hell is going on. They'll be so preoccupied with that. They'll just interact with trans people like any old other people. Um, because I mean that's that's what it takes. The just the you know, long story short, demystify trans. <laughs> yeah. Well I think our students I think we included when we work with someone from a different identity, mm -hmm. we don't screw up. Mm -hmm. But everybody in the room has a different identity. And you gotta be able to be, you gotta have egg on your face. Because mm -hmm. when you get egg on your face, you ain't gonna want it on there again. So you'll figure out what to do. Like maybe before gendering somebody, you'll just ask. You know, I do that to cis people. It's, people get shook. It's because you're standing from the place of I make sense. Mm -hmm. What if I told you I, I don't know what your gender is? Mm -hmm. That would, that would throw you off because you stand in a place from what I am is what people see and it's not the truth. Mm -hmm. You can't go everywhere and people will see you exactly how you identify and that's what we're talking about. Do you see me and are you willing to ask me before you identify me? Because you don't know my life any more than that trans person will know any of their lives. And it's such a great gift, I think, to extend like almost like a nonchalant or like a lackadaisical like you know love to somebody like it doesn't really matter i don't really care that you're trans like i don't care about half the identities i interact with most of the time because i just don't care it doesn't mean i'm going to disrespect people i just don't care to find out you know that's a personal experience and i think again just understanding that piece once you enter from Oh my God, nobody knows that I like to wear a bow tie because when I was little, I thought all men wore bow ties. Like, that's a very specific identity piece for you, you know? And it sounds simple and it sounds wild because it's not sensationalized like transness is. Transness is sensationalized. Um, you see trans people every day and you might not know it. Mm -hmm. And what does that say about transness? It, it can go unnoticed. You know, it's not that big of a deal because we're on a floating rock <laughs> in space. So, you know, listen, I'm just saying there, there's more going on here. I'm always so bored with what we get hung up on because I'm like, y'all, we're floating. <laughs> I get stuck there, you know, and people come down. I'm like, okay, I get it, but I get stuck at like, I'm like, that is wild to you? But we're in the middle of space, like on a rotating rock that another rock comes up at one time and then we see another one, like, and this is what is fascinating to you. Yeah, I just, you know, we're worried about the wrong stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I do want to be respectful of everyone's time, although I know I can listen to Aaron all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but please give Aaron and Candace a round of applause.
Dr. Please.